Thank you. Am I working? <laughs> you ask my wife, I'm always working. Okay, so um, welcome. And uh, this is exciting because we start a new series, but it isn't. It's a continuation of a series that's been going on all year. So we started, if you remember, back in September, and we wanted to talk about spiritual gifts, or, or more importantly, the context of that, which is godly character, that we become mature, godly Christians, and we grow up in that. And then we spent a little time looking at mission. If you remember, we looked particularly at Michael Frost's model, the Bell's model. We bless and we eat on the outward, so we bless people and we eat with others. On, on internally, we learn about Jesus, and we listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and on an identity basis, we see ourselves as we are, which is a sent people. We are sent on mission. We then looked at the whole body, and we looked at the fivefold ministry, which is there to build up the whole body, because we are, as we've heard again today, one body. This is what we are. We are one body together. There are, and I know it's sometimes controversial, but there are no hierarchies in God's kingdom. We are one. We are all servants. We are all saved by grace. We have, as Richard's been reminding us, all inherited death because of our sin and only received life through the outworking of Jesus and no other reason. And we're all in that boat, so there are no hierarchies. So we learn about the body and how the body functions and what there is that enables that to happen. So we had a short break for, Christ for Easter, which was fun. And here we are, and we're going to start a series now which looks at the tools which come from the Holy Spirit to enable us to operate as a body and to be on mission, which is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So I want to read you a verse which just comes from, first, uh, from Colossians 1, 28 and 29. It says this, He, that is Jesus, is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. This was Paul's passion, was that Christians and churches should be mature. And that's the theme I know that people want us quite often when we talk about spiritual gifts to talk about power. And we will talk a bit about power, but we mustn't lose sight of the end product which is desired, and it's this, maturity. That we are mature Christian individuals and we are mature churches or mature gathering. So there are, that's the key word really. And the balance in this is that we become safe, we are balanced, we are wise, we're discerning, we're useful, and we're fruitful in everything that we do, whether we consider that we're moving in spiritual gifts or whether we don't. These are the things that we're called to be. So these are useful words, because really, although we're going to talk about individual spiritual gifts between now and the summer, the focus is there on the spiritual gifts, but the purpose is maturity. 
The purpose is maturity. So that's what we're going to talk about. Okay, so let's, let's do a start then. Let's just do a bit of why and where and all of that kind of stuff just to get everybody started. So what are spiritual gifts? Okay, basically this. Spiritual gifts are a supernatural ability or insight provided by the Holy Spirit to those who belong to Jesus. Now, we need to be aware there are facsimiles, that is, copies, which are the outworking of demonic influences. So, there are fake outworkings of spiritual gifts, which are created by demonic influences. And then, as we know, there are fakes as well, where people fake the use of spiritual gifts in order to manipulate others. And the Bible warns us about both. But genuine spiritual gifts from the Holy Spirit is a supernatural ability or insight provided by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are some, I did grow up in this context myself, who are kind of of the inclination to believe that all of this is well and good, but in fact, the Holy Spirit retired in 2 AD, and, uh, and after that, we didn't get any of these. Um, there is absolutely nothing in the Bible that suggests that in any way, shape, or form. And indeed, if we were going to apply that, then we must look at all the other teachings about how Christians should conduct and perform, uh, and also how churches should function and conduct and perform, and, and, and question all of them also. And it is very much baby and bathwater. And uh, really, that's not what we're going to do, because in reality, the Holy Spirit has not retired, and praise God that He hasn't, because in these difficult times, Jesus promises us that as we are called before rulers and authorities, the Holy Spirit will give us wisdom to know what to say and how to answer charges brought against us. And as we move towards difficult times, we need to be very grateful that the Holy Spirit has not retired, but is in fact alive and active and powerful among His people even at this time. And that's a good thing. There's nothing to be worried or scared about at all. In fact, it's a reason to almost join Emily Munden and Ian Seymour and get excited. Okay, I, I obviously for your own personal safety, I wouldn't recommend that level of excitement. Uh, and if you attain it, then uh, a short lie down in a dark room will probably make you feel much better. These are specially trained professionals in excitement. Don't try to emulate anything that you actually see them do without correct training and supervision. That, just so you know, uh, it's important to understand that excitement is not a game, ladies and gentlemen. It's not to be played with. <laughs> anyway, there we go. So, um, what are they? Yeah, sorry, the, the Seymour Leap. <laughs> Is it, is it the Seymour Hop? Yeah, absolutely. So there we go. Uh, but that's what it is, and they are available now. Okay, so just so you know, there are a lot of gifts. I know I've said in this church before that if an alien came down to a charismatic church in Britain and did a bit of research, they run the risk of thinking that there only actually are three supernatural gifts from the Holy Spirit. Tongues, healing, and prophecy, and there aren't any, that's it, and, and everybody has to be rolling in them. And in fact, that's not true. The Bible lists a lot of spiritual gifts, and at no point does the Bible suggest that those gifts, that those lists are exhaustive. 
So there are quite a lot. I'm going to show you a, a couple just so you can see. This is what the Old Testament talks about in spiritual gifts. There's a whole range of gifting that comes from the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. These are, these are not, I remember when we talked a little bit about prophecy earlier, uh, just before Easter, we said there are real similarities between how the Holy Spirit worked in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We shouldn't be surprised about that. It's the same Holy Spirit doing the same things. And now, I think I'm going to break the record for the largest PowerPoint's unreadable slide with the biggest, longest list of things on that you can't possibly read while I'm talking. And I'm going to put it up, not so that you read it. Okay, it's going to be there, but you're not to read it. Are you, are you with me here? It's just to show you. So here's the New Testament. It's a lot. Okay, now don't get me wrong, tongues, prophecy, and healing are all in there, and they're important gifts. But can you see how many others there are? These are all, pardon? It's too dark. Okay, good. 20 there are up there in, in dark, in yellow. See, I told you I can't do PowerPoint. I never do. Okay. So here we go. So, and they're not for you to read today because they're too dark and uh, just because it was an illustration for you to know. So who gets all these gifts? And the answer is this. Anyone who belongs to Jesus. Anyone who belongs to Jesus. If you give your life to Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit brings with him gifts from Jesus to equip the church. That's what Scripture tells us. Okay, now the Holy Spirit is not uh, as prejudiced as some people think. I say they think, they'd probably say no, but actually we quite often suggest that the Holy Spirit is prejudiced because we say, oh, well, I know he wouldn't use me. Well, why would he not use you? What are you saying? Are you saying the Holy Spirit values you less than someone else? Oh, He wouldn't give me gifts. What are you saying? Are you saying the Holy Spirit has favorites? Is this what we're saying? Now, I know you don't mean that when you say it, but that is the reality is the Holy Spirit doesn't do that. If you've received Jesus, then you are being gifted and empowered to live a life that is a witness to Jesus, and you're also being equipped to build the rest of us up because you're in a body. You might not notice that you are, but you are. You might not notice how, but you have been. That's exciting, isn't it? Absolutely. So, there's how it goes. So, the gifts from the Holy Spirit are there to help us. It's a long list, and it's not exhaustive. Now, there are lots of Christians in the world who have not realized that they have received giftings. Now, some of that is for lots of reasons. There are some Christians who know that they've received giftings, but are not fruitful because they will not submit to the disciplines necessary to use gifts effectively. And those are two. So, people don't receive or don't know that they've received gifts or shy away from using gifts because they are fearful. They've seen a lot of rather extreme and bizarre behavior uh, and don't feel they personally have the self-confidence to leap about in that way. Um, and in fact, that's not true. They do it out of ignorance because 
they've received false teaching or discouragement or have been told that it's only very special people that get all of this and are able to do this and we have to trail in their wake, which is not the case. Some people don't move in spiritual gifts because we, the church, and particularly all those of us in leadership in the church, frankly, haven't encouraged people enough to explore and to move and to grow. And to be honest, I think almost all churches need to hold their hands up to that, and we need to do better in the future and see more people grow. And sometimes it is lies of the enemy where you are being told that if you start admitting to a spiritual gift before you know it, you're going to have to give up seven and a half days a week and be running around at church looking after everybody, or equally that if you um, uh, move in spiritual gifts, you'll suddenly lose control of your own uh, behavior and start moving around like a Thunderbird puppet, or similarly that if you do, it's not really going to be God it's going to be your emotions driving you, and you're going to do a lot of damage. Now, don't get me wrong. Satan does not want a powerful church. Satan does not want an effective church. Satan certainly doesn't want a mature church. And not starting is the best way to avoid achieving anything, isn't it? So, here we go, which is interesting. So, that's what they are roughly and what are they for? So, I want to tell you that spiritual gifts are for three things, just three things. Okay, number one, they are there to build the individual Christian toward, guess what I'm going to say next? Maturity. They are there to help to build the individual Christian toward maturity, to become fruitful. Jesus says, that He's looking for those who follow Him to bear fruit, fruit that will last, not momentary, but a legacy from the church of Jesus Christ that we can present before God on Judgment Day, full, perfected in Christ, and a joy on that last day. That, that's, we're, we're called to do that. It's a mission. It's an exciting one, and it's very good. Now, let's look at the balance in this then. So, here we go. One of the misunderstandings about spiritual gifts is that they're somehow separate. So, there's your ordinary life, and then there's the 16 and a half minutes in the week when you move in spiritual gifts. And then you go back to ordinary life again. You go, that was great. Let's do that again next week got work to do now. And it's not how it works. We all have physical skills, do we not? Some are good with their hands. Some are good with their minds. Some people are very good mathematically. Some people artistically. Some people are very good organizers. Some people are able to look and see possibilities. Others are able to see problems. Some people are helpful when they point this out. <laughs> what can I say? But anyway, it's there. What, what God is looking to do, because He has saved the whole person, is that spiritual gifts are designed to be part of our whole being, to build and use our physical skills, our intellectual talents, our natural personal attributes. Some people are more hospitable than others. Some people are more generous than others. Some people, like I said, are more organized than others. 
Some people can see big picture. Some people are fantastically useful because details don't get missed. These are, these are who we are. The gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us are to supplement, to enable, and in fact to move us beyond all of that, but not to be separate. Who you are. God, has God tried to run roughshod over you up to now? Sometimes when I look back, I think I could have done with God being a little harsher with me, to be honest, and just telling me and giving me a bit of a clip round the ear instead of leaving me so long to realize what I was messing up with before I got it right. God doesn't do that. What makes us think that that will happen with spiritual gifts? Not at all. He uses the whole thing. But it's to be used in a mature way. These are powerful gifts for balanced probably trained people. I mean, let's put it this way. If you put a chainsaw in somebody's hands, it doesn't make them a lumberjack. It potentially makes them an amputee. <laughs> Possibly a killer. But it doesn't make them a lumberjack. There are parameters. There are sensible ways. There is ways to grow. I know, I know the church has history of people running around wild-eyed, running up to complete strangers and saying really hurtful and damaging things and claiming God said. And they haven't engaged brain, which is, of course, not a biblical principle. We are given a spirit of what? Power, love. There is no, there is no biblical reason in Jesus to disengage brain, ever. Mystical religions do this. Uh, mind artists do this. We don't need to do this because God made our brain to be used. And when He made us alive in Jesus, He gave us a brain to use as we move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the same way as we use it when we do anything else. Does that make sense? We and therefore, because we do this, we can learn and we can train and we can become mature. I'm not telling you this so that you shy away from using spiritual gifts, the opposite. I want everybody here to understand how the Holy Spirit has gifted you and for you to grow and learn and move in those things and for us as a church to mature and become powerful. But I just want that to happen because it's there. So, the next thing about this is, and this is John Farron's um, phrase, he says it's not his, but I find it very useful. Spiritual gifts are tools, not toys. So, the display of a spiritual gift, whatever it may be, from a supernatural healing to a word of knowledge to a piece of wisdom, in itself is not a purpose. It, the, the display of a spiritual gift is not a purpose in itself. It is there to build up the body, to advance the name of Jesus, and to bear fruit. And one of the best tests of this is to look at the use of spiritual gifts and ask yourself over a period of time, what fruit is coming from this? And that's a helpful thing because it's not always there. So, there you go. So, they are for the individual and for the common good. Secondly, spiritual gifts are to encourage the body of Christ to become mature. We've become a mature, we've become a faithful witness, but we are to become 
mature. So here's the thing. A mature church, just so you know, is four things in balance. Four things in balance make a mature church. A mature church is Bible-based. A mature church is Jesus-centered. A mature church is mission-orientated. And a mature church is Spirit-led. Those are the four things in balance. Now, immature churches take one of those four and focus too much. And individual Christians do the same. So, some churches and some individuals are fixated on biblical knowledge and understanding. Now, don't get me wrong, I love my Bible. But to do that alone means that one becomes intellectual more than anything else, is more focused on correctness than anything else, can in fact get tied up, as Paul talks about it, in controversies and genealogies because of this. We don't serve the Bible, we serve Jesus. This is the revelation of God. We can never neglect it. It's very important. We need to be a Bible-based church, but there's more to walking in Jesus than that. Now, the next one might surprise you that there are people, and I'm saying it's unhealthy to be Jesus-centered out of balance. And I'll tell you why, because the revelation of Jesus' nature and His character is in this book. And if everything we do just focuses on Jesus and nothing else, over a period of time, because there's a lack of input, we do, as John Calvin warned, we make a God of our own construct. We make Jesus how we want Him to be. And trust me, and I've been talking with, with someone recently, and in fact over the last year, who's been pointing out to me that Jesus is quite a difficult character. He's quite challenging. He doesn't squeeze into boxes. So we need to have a scriptural base to understand who Jesus is. And if you remember, Michael Frost was challenged for that. Okay, there are those who are mission-orientated only. This is unhelpful because after a while, if the focus is purely on going out and connecting with people, well, we get to the point where, well, if what the Bible says is a bit awkward and is putting people off, we'll just stop, um, we'll stop mentioning that. And if using the name of Jesus is kind of getting a bit awkward and we're trying to reach people, well, then we'll just, we'll just stop mentioning Jesus. And we'll end up with this, um, you know, accessible but powerless contact. So that's not good either to be on its own. And similarly, Spirit-led. Some people say, well, we don't need any of this. We just need to follow the Spirit. The offshoot of doing that is in the end no discernment. There is nothing to test what is going on against. There's neither is Jesus at the center, am I reaching people, or is this what the Bible says? And what happens is discernment goes. And you get a combination of the Holy Spirit sometimes, driven emotions sometimes, other people's influences sometimes, and God forbid, but occasionally it's true, demonic influences sometimes because there is no test. None of these singular approaches is mature, and none of them helps a church. And yet, all of them are needed. So, a mature church is Bible-based, Jesus-focused, mission-orientated, and Spirit-led. Neglect one, and as a church, we won't mature. Focus too much on one to the exclusion of others, and as a church, we'll end up not being mature. We need all four. And yes, you're right. You and I also need all 
4. I know we have our favorites. I know that. Some of that's because of our personality and our inclination. Some of that uh, is because of our upbringing or whatever. But actually, we need all four. And the discipline of following Jesus, as indeed the discipline of anything is, is to work on the ones that you don't find easy. Let's be honest, isn't it? Yes, but it's my leisure time. Yes, I know that. But even so, you have to do it to be balanced. So, a church needs to be mature. And one of the things about spiritual gifts working in the body is this. If we allow them all to be there, if the prophetic is actually working in a church, then the prophets will tell us about the balance that we don't have. If there are those who are wise, they will tell us about the balance we don't have. There are those who have knowledge, they will tell us. There are those who discern spirits, they will tell us when we are being influenced in the wrong ways. We need all of these things. There are those who have a heart for those outside. If we are neglecting that, then we need to be enabling those people to tell us and to challenge us. We need all of this together. And that's what the Holy Spirit's giftings are, to give us a mature church in balance, including Spirit-led. Okay, last one. I'm aware of the time. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts to enable us to reach the community for Jesus. Now, remember what the Great Commission says, not just converts. What are we to make? Disciples. Okay, so you can't have disciples if you don't have converts. So, we need evangelists, and we need other people who are not evangelists, but who will reach people and gossip the gospel and share it around meal tables and in the workplace and over a cup of coffee and in an act of kindness and all those other things that mean that we witness to Jesus. Occasionally, encountering people with difficulties or in conundrums and allowing the Holy Spirit to give us amazing things to say that we didn't realize we were capable of, but actually turn people's lives upside down and change them. Are we open to this? This is one of the equippings of the Holy Spirit, and it's fantastic, and it's great. And if we ask God for opportunities, guess what He does? Yeah, I know, I know. I, un I understand that's a reason not to ask. I, I understand that. Uh, but the reality is that we're on mission. We are sent people. You are everywhere you are, including here right now, to reach people for Jesus. That's, what, that's, our, that's our job and our goal. And we can't do that without gifts. If someone is sick, then we need to be praying for them to be healed. Healed physically, spiritually, mentally, and the Holy Spirit can work that through all of us. If we see people in difficulty or we see situations going around, the Holy Spirit can give us discernment and wisdom to understand what is going on, and we can speak into it. We need faith sometimes against all odds, and sometimes we are the people. The church are the people who can show that faith when all others fail. But there are other gifts that facilitate a church. We need to be able to administrate. We need to be able to encourage, enable, and release. We need good leadership. We need teaching. We need to have a Bible base. We need to have Jesus at the center. We don't forget our mission, but we still need to be Spirit-led. And all of that works because we're on mission. So, if someone comes to Jesus, we need to be a mature church that is able to take that person and help them grow 
in their spiritual life in a balanced way. And we need to be equipped to do that. And we need all the gifts in order to do that. We need gifts to reach people, and then we need gifts to disciple people. But we also need gifts to enable us to stick to the course. Because if we are going to disciple anyone, we have to be living it out ourselves. If anyone lacks wisdom, James says, let them ask of God. I don't know. I'm just going to talk about another church that I used to be involved in because I know that this never happens here. But I used to meet people and they used to come up and say, I really don't know why this is happening. I don't know what's going on. I don't understand it. And I would say to them, well, I'll tell you what, I've got a plan. Go and ask God what's going on and he'll tell you. That seems reasonable, doesn't it? They would obviously, you know, like, like the person who leaves the GP without a prescription, they would head off a bit disappointed, uh, really, because, you know, they wanted me to be a bit more excitable than that. And I wasn't, because that was the actual answer that was the correct one to give. Four weeks later, six weeks later, the same person comes back. This happened many times with different people. I know it never happens here. I know you're not like this. This is other people, not you. I understand that. And they would come back and they would go, you know, I'm really struggling wherever. And I would say, so, did you ask God then? And then you get that look. And you know, you know that all these weeks have gone and they have never asked. Well, what does James say? You don't get because you don't ask. Exactly. You don't get because you don't ask. And if you're saying, God, give me insight into this situation because I want to give my brother-in-law what for and prove that they're wrong, well, James similarly says you don't get because you ask for the wrong motives. You know what I mean? The Holy Spirit will not give you a gift to facilitate revenge or prove your rightness or indeed, and here's the thing, or indeed to top up your lack of faith. If you want faith, you ask God for it because it's a gift from Him. All of these things come in balance. But above all of that, we need character. We need to be those mature people, don't we? We need all the things that Christians who mature end up with. And I'm not saying any of us are here yet, but we need courage and compassion, discipline and obedience, submission, hospitality and generosity, patience, forgiveness, grace, mercy, and a hunger for righteousness. All of these things we're told to do. So, if we're going out to reach the world, here's the thing. If we go out to reach the world and we tell ourselves that we don't actually need any of these gifts, then we are going to end up in trouble because these are the gifts that the Holy Spirit gave us to reach the world. So, if we're not moving these gifts, we should abandon any sense that we might be successful because God doesn't do anything for any reason. So, we are like the small children who say, I'm going to do it on my own, and then wander back to Father several months later with all the broken bits, and him going, well, I told you I was here to help you. Why didn't you let me help you? And this is what it is to neglect spiritual gifts. The other way is that we don't bother reaching the world, in which case we don't need any of these gifts, and when we use them, we just all we're left with is sitting around in little self-absorbed huddles, being ill-informed, ill-disciplined, ill-behaved as we choose, because these are for missions, so we are there. So, here we go. Here's the challenge. 
Number one, if you want spiritual gifts, have you yet today given your life to Jesus? Do you belong to Jesus? Because Jesus puts your life right. I can't, you can't, only us can. But if you do that, then you will receive the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will gift you to grow and mature, as well as to reach other people. Here's the second one. Do you aspire to be spiritually mature? Do you want to be spiritually mature? Or do you actually quite like all the games and the fun? Or do you quite like the divide? You know the sort of spiritual life, real life divide that people like to live in, and you want to keep one separate from the other? Do you actually aspire to be spiritually mature? Because that's a challenge, because it's not there. Okay. Do you know how the Holy Spirit has gifted you? Do you know the gifts the Holy Spirit has given you? Would you like to know the gifts the Holy Spirit has given you? Because there's no reason why you shouldn't know what the gifts are that the Holy Spirit has given you. Would you like to know how to use them? Would you like to know how to grow in them? These are all available to us. Can I just say, because the Holy Spirit doesn't retire, He doesn't let anybody else retire either. Can I, can I just tell you that? That, that? So, I'm not really bothered what age you are, whether you think you're too young or too old. There is no such thing that God is gifting you now through His Holy Spirit to be effective and to be mature. So, are you there? Are you prepared to learn in a church, because the discipline of using spiritual gifts is in a balanced church. So, the Holy Spirit is not looking for mavericks and rebels. The Holy Spirit is looking for a church, and it's the church was Jesus' choice to represent Him on earth. And one of the disciplines about being in a church is that people just don't cooperate with how you want it to be. Um, but that's one of the disciplines after a while, what we actually do is show the outside world how to be properly tolerant, properly patient, properly forgiving, properly mature, and still be balanced and effective. Fancy that. God knows what He's doing. He builds the worst organization you could possibly imagine and then makes it stronger and better and longer lasting than anybody else's. Do you know what? He's bright. He knows what He's doing. Trust me, He chose you, and He's not an idiot. So, do we want to be do? Okay. And finally, Richard, do we want to do something about it today? Well, I'll leave that bit to you. Let's pray. I'm sorry it's been a bit longer than we hoped, but here we go. So, Lord Jesus, just want to thank you that when you ascended into heaven, you sent your Holy Spirit with gifts to equip us and to equip your church. And you did it to lead us into effective witness so that we might make disciples, we might be mature, we might be fruitful, we might be salt and light in this world. Lord, that You did not give us gifts that we might ignore them, that we might be frightened of them, or that we might misuse them, but that we might in fullness and in maturity grow and develop, be powerful as well as mature, Lord. And we just want to grow in that. So help us as we study throughout this uh, quarter of a year how to do that and how to grow. We just pray in Jesus' name.
Amen.